Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, have you ever been through a divorce? Uh, That was probably a really personal straight up question, but with one in three marriages in Australia ending in divorce and apparently one in two in America, it's not really a strange one. And I went through a divorce myself 16 years ago um, when I was in my very early 20s. Okay, it was my late 20s. (laughs) Who's counting? Who's counting? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And so I have two guests with me in the podcast station today who have both been through marriage breakups. Um, But what I love about these two women is that they have both rebuilt their lives to ones of joy and purpose and are doing really good work in the world. And that's exactly why I've asked them to come and be part of this episode. It's because crap happens in life all the time (laughs) to people. Um, And I've learned the hard way is that that there are tough times that bring you to your knees and they can have you curled up in the fetal position in the corner of the room, rocking back and forth and sobbing. It's happened to me before. And shit happens to all of us. But once we get through the hurt and the grief and the trauma, we have an opportunity to redesign and rebuild our lives to how we really want it to be. So those two wonderful women that I just mentioned are here with me right now. And that is a fabulous Susie Russell and Peter Winnie Bartz. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hi. How are you going, Mel? I'm good. Is this your first time in a podcast studio? Uh, not for me, no. My it's... husband and I have our own podcast. Big. Of course you do. Yes. Do you record at home? Yes, we do. In the walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> During the COVID, I recorded an episode in the wardrobe. It's great. Good Soundproof from all, the, yeah, from all the clothes. It works. Yeah. And what about you, Peter Winnie Bartz? I have not, but now I know where I need to record my first podcast in the wardrobe with all the clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really grateful to you both for coming in to share some of your journey and life lessons today because we're getting personal and I know that's not always easy, but it's also how we all learn and grow. Yeah. Yeah. So Susie happens to uh, have a wonderful business. She supports people to navigate their own way through separation and divorce via a whole range of strategies and helps individuals clear their path from chaos to confidence. Mm. Sounds amazing. And after her own divorce many years ago, decided to train as a conflict coach uh, and she had no one to really provide support to her. Mm. That's sad. Mm. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, given that separation affects every aspect of a person's life, and the three of us know that firsthand, Susie never wanted to see anyone else go down a similar path. And so she co-founded Wellbeing and Co with her husband, Garth, Mm. the infamous Garth. (laughs) (laughs) And together they help and support people thrive in every aspect of life, which is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Now, Peter Winnie Bart, so Pete. Not all one word. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever just get Peter Bartz or Peter Winnie anymore? Or is it um, yes, friends just Winnie. Yep, just always been Winnie. So, I, yeah. yeah, no. I think I actually call you Peter Winnie Bartz. I, you, you are one of many who think it's one <laughs> big long word. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So Pete is a mum of three smart and gorgeous girls and one handsome, gorgeous little boy, and she's an educator, teacher who fell into local politics, and so is now a councillor at the city of Newcastle. And um, I love that about you, that, you know, you have gone through 
which will, you know, your whole experience through separation and divorce. And you know, now you come out and you're just thriving and doing really great things in the world. So that's awesome. And I love people with good emotions that are bringing people together and doing awesome things for other people in, in our city. So that's great. So divorce is one of the most stressful transitions that we go through. Unfortunately, uh, there is more awareness now than there used to be, which has made it easier for people to navigate through this really difficult time. So Susie, you currently support people through separation and divorce, like I said earlier, but you went through your own breakup many years ago. How mm-hmm. long ago was that? That is um, just over 19 years ago. Yeah, wow. Well. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So how did you go through your own marriage breakup? I had a bit of a double whammy mill and um, my mother had passed away and I found myself a few months later pregnant and we had our beautiful baby boy and he was about 11 months old and my husband and I separated. So I think I was still recovering from the grief from mum and losing mum and then obviously losing my, my husband through separation and leading to divorce was just that sort of double double. You know, was it was it was it unexpected? Like, uh, it, look, in hindsight, looking back over things because we learn, you know, from reflecting on things. No, not now, not today, but at the time, absolutely blindsided, devastated, and the world as I knew it, you know, had just shattered into a million tiny pieces, and I somehow had to put, you know, my new life into some sort of um, normalcy and that was where I really, really struggled. So it was just devastating. Yeah, and you had a little baby. I had a tiny baby. He was 11 months old. He's now 20. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but it's it's what's happened since then and the gratitude that I feel um, for my situation and what I've learned along the way yeah. and hopefully helping others and because um, no one is immune to it, unfortunately, and it can happen to any of us. And, um, yeah, sometimes we don't get to decide, you know, when that's going to happen or if it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I really feel um, that, that the passion in me to help other people because I wouldn't want to see anyone struggle yeah. um, and not have anyone there to support them. How long do you think it took for you to move through the, you know, the initial mm-hmm. grief mm-hmm. and trauma? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, boom, it mm-hmm. hits straight up. So for anybody who's been through divorce, who's listening, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Mm. You know, that initial um, grief and trauma. How long do you think it, it actually took for you to move through that? So from that day where we opened the conversation and I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck to... So you really didn't see it coming from... no. No, I didn't. I was I was a bit sidetracked with a baby. Yeah. And you know, life gets busy as we all know, so I wasn't sort of focusing on uh, I thought us I thought the two of us were okay, so I was sort of focused on the baby a bit more than than our relationship as such and and um yeah, look. Um how long? I remember 6 months being a turning point where people just looked at me and said, "Suze, you need some help." And I remember 12 months being another turning point. And obviously all of those increments in time. So for me it was between six months and, and I felt healed by about five years. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's cold. Mm. <laughs> I mean that, that you actually got to a point where you feel, feel healed mm. because I, you know, I suppose that got you back, sister. I mean, and that's different. Um, sorry, women who come to us have gone through separation or divorce, um, but they've also been through domestic violence. Mm. So, you know, sometimes they have experienced horrendous trauma in addition to going through the emotion of a Mm. breakdown. They've also dealt with 
abuse. Um, you know, and it, we see women that are 20 years down the track yeah. and they still have not been able to heal. Mm. Which I guess is probably my motivation in actually wanting to talk about this is because, you know, I, I suppose I hear so many um, stories of women that are really stuck where they're at and you go, I just want you, I want joy for you. I want you to be able to really think about how you want your life to be and to, to, to go for that. I, you know, it breaks my heart and the, and the Got You Back Sister team to see women that are stuck you know, in that place of, of the grief and trauma, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I okay, go, we learn by sharing stories and absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's good. So you got to about five years and you kind of felt as though, yeah. Well, yes, I'm still learning though, Mel, every yeah. conversation I have with another predominantly women and men, but more women than men. Um, I, I can learn something from them as well or I can reflect back on something and I did it yesterday and I just reflected back on, on something yesterday and thought, wow, you know, I, I'm still learning from it. Mm. Something that, that might have sparked a memory or something happened and I'll go, oh, that's, that's the reason that that occurred or, yep. you know, yep. that happened for that reason or whatever it is. Did your ex, was he supportive of you? Like I suppose you have a little baby in terms of actually caring helping you care for the baby after yes. the separation. Yes, yeah. he was um he was very involved in our son's life yeah. and um yes, yes. And and of course there's more emotions involved in that because um you know, as a woman, not that I wanted to put my child in the middle of it, but I didn't want to have him um be part of our lives, but but I knew I had to separate emotionally because he was his he was his dad. Yeah. And, and, and dads have rights too. But I wanted to hurt him because I was hurting, so I wanted to try and control that relationship. And um, he was quite aware of that and, and basically said to me, you know, you've, you've got to stop, you know, trying to control this because I'm his dad and I want to see him. So we, we, worked, we worked out that relationship as much as it just made me so, um, yeah. um, you know, um, stuck with with my emotions i knew that i had to to give him his rights and responsibilities because he was his dad yeah. and he how- was a good dad he was a good dad um so you know i mean i was trying to find fault i was trying to pick i was trying to do everything i could to sabotage that relationship but i just knew deep down i couldn't because i was only going to hurt my son i love how I honest you are that. about that mm. you're so honest about that i love it well yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, but but it's because some people are not honest about that. Yeah. You know. Oh, I was terrible. Yeah. I, I did some terrible things to try and sabotage that relationship. And look, fast forwarding all those years later, um, they have a wonderful relationship. And, um, you know, and, and we grew. We grew with what we were going through. So when he was six months, uh, sorry, when he was 12 months old, you know, he didn't, we didn't do that week about thing because when they're babies, they need their mums. Yeah. And I would have, that just would have broken my heart. So he never tried to fight me to, to and, and in those days, this is almost 20 years ago, you know, it's different today. And so he didn't sort of fight me on that. But when Gabe, you know, when our son got to a certain age, he said, right, I want some more time with him. And so we grew as our son grew. And, you know, it's only just recently that, that, you know, I mean, he's our our 20-year-old son has moved out of home because he just wanted to be under one roof. 
Yeah. Because he was packing a bag and going to separate houses for nearly 20 years. He, he just said, guys, I've got to move out because he was at that point still doing, you know, a couple of weeks about at mum and dad's. We, we went through that with we've got four kids. Um, my second husband and I, um, Craig, have four kids between us. I've got one biological and three gorgeous stepkids. And that's heartbreaking. I remember when my biological son, Max, when he was 15, he was like, I want to go live with my dad. And I was just heartbroken. And I'm reading Stephen Bedolf's book, um, Raising Boys. They were like, that's kind of a natural thing, is it? Because yeah. he's learning how to be a man. Um, and he came back. So he actually, when he was 18 or 19, he actually moved back in again with with um, us, which I was, you know, I love having him around. But, yeah, that's tough. He was like, I don't want to do week on, week off anymore. I just want to parent. I'm mm. picking my dad. Mm. Um, and, you know, each of our kids have been through that except for one of them. He, he He's gorgeous and he just wants everybody to be happy. So he kept doing week on, week off until he moved in with his fiance. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but they, they made a choice. They were like, got to a certain age and they're like, I'm picking a parent because I'm sick of week mm. on, week off and moving houses, which I get. And that's tough on them. It's tough on children it to is. make those big decisions at that at, at yeah. those you know those ages. So, if you can grow with your kids, yeah. and try and remind yourself mm. that it's not their divorce, yeah. it's yours. Yeah, that you own it. Um, that's what that every now and then I just had to remind myself and go, hang on a minute, Suze. This is your separation. This is not your child's separation. So you have to sort of put put others before your own needs every now and then and that's that's hard sometimes as a as a mum and a dad. Yeah. And so Pete. Okay, here we go. You have now I know where to come when my currently eight year old son turns and says to me, well, I'm going to live with dad. <laughs> Hopefully not at eight oh, though, darling. I hope not. No. Do you not know, and I think that book, that Raising Boys book, I think you've got them until they're teens. Mm. They say up until they're teens they're very much attached to mum, but then they want to go and learn how to be a man and yeah. so they're looking for that male, male role. Yeah. Yeah. It still ripped my heart open, even though I knew that. Yeah, it still ripped my male. heart open when he was like, I'm sick of week on, week off, I'm going to live with dad. Wow. Yep. Anyway, he did come back, so I was happy about that. <laughs> so, Pete, four kids. Yes. Four. Four kids. Four, yeah. Um, I often describe them as I had the next one, <clears throat> sorry, when the – the oldest one was self-sufficient. wasn't by choice. <laughs> it was purely um, the way God intended, I guess. Um, each of them was four at least before I had the next one. So I have this span of I have a 20-year-old daughter and a nearly 17-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old daughter and uh, my little boy is eight, yeah. So, yeah, a whole little band all of our own. <laughs> so when... How long ago did your marriage end? So my son was um, 15 months. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So he that's was a little. So probably a bit similar to Susie that you had a little, mm. you had a little yeah. mama. Yeah. And were you blindsided like Susie or did you? I've probably got like the flip side of Susie's story. Um, and, and that's really interesting, I think, too, to explore is that if, if you had to lay the cards on the table and call sides, I left. So yeah. I left. But. Um, I think people assume that that means you walk away, you've made the choice to walk away and that you've you've drawn a line in the sand and you have none of that emotion, that grief mm. and that. I, that left, somehow, I left too, I yeah, left too, so I get that. It's really interesting that people seem to think that there must be no emotion at all. You, you made the decision, you must be fine. I had four children to look after and uh, 
So that's a big call to go to make to call it and go. I'm going it alone yeah. with four kids. And that's really, I think up. also really interestingly, the grieving that I now know about and the curse. I probably did that before I left. Mm. I had left in my head a long time before I actually walked out of the house. Mm. So I had four children to look after, um, and there's this. <laughs> it's really interesting that one in three figure. I jokingly around. I have two girlfriends and the three of us there's one marriage that's lasted out of the three of us and we always say you're the one in three you're the one in three um but nobody in my family ever had been divorced ever mums dads aunties uncles grandparents cousins never and I think it really did bother me that I was going to be this black sheep shamed and I for a little while absolutely that stopped me from from making the decision I had to make and it was It was, yeah, it wasn't pleasant. I was the, I was the first in my family to, and yeah. it caused a, caused a ruckus. Uh, since then, um, um, my two sisters are now to, I, I, did, I did actually that. start a little bit of a waterfall, but, but at the time, like the two hardest conversations I had were with my children um, and that was one of the most unpleasant experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, my ex-husband and I agreed to be in the room together and he was just not capable of participating in that conversation. And it was just, that was, it made me really angry mm-hmm. that I was the one telling the children that um, this was happening. But the other conversation that broke my heart was telling my parents. That mm. was that was really hard. I felt mm. really um, like I'd let them down, but... They were insanely supportive and everyone is and everyone was. Even, you know, my my in-laws that I still refer to as my in-laws, I have a really good relationship with my ex-husband and his entire family. But that took a really long time and a lot of work. And like Susie said, putting aside the feelings that I had and making sure that every single decision I made was purely about the children and their best interests. Could your ex see or understand why you were making that choice? Not at all. At that exact point in time, absolutely not. Yeah. No way. Um, And so he's worked through a lot of his own mental health issues um, and he's the first to put his hand up currently and say, no, I can't do that, you know, and I think that's huge. Um, I think I realised that we both weren't happy and I was the only one. We'd worked for a very long time at trying to make it better and it wasn't going to change and he was certainly not in a position to fix it or leave so, yeah, I couldn't – and I was thinking about this yesterday. Ultimately, I knew I wasn't my best me and he wasn't his best self either, but I had to just worry about me and the kids. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, four mm. of them. Yeah. Mm. And so did you find – like Susie can see it like almost a bit of a line in the sand after five years where she had kind of felt as though she'd healed from that. Did you experience that as well? Yeah, I think um, – for me, like I said, I think I did a lot of grieving before I left because I knew where this was going. Um, and so I think by the time I actually left and at the time had to go stay with mum and dad, I was determined that if I was doing that, it had to be, well, A, to make we all had to be happy and that I had to be able to be better than I was and I had to be able to be the best mum I could be. So, so how needed... did you juggle four kids as a single mum? <laughs> my family is ridiculously amazing. <laughs> my mum and dad and my sister are um, insanely supportive. My sister has uh, no children of her own and spoils the hell out of them, which drives me insane, <laughs> but is 
is, you know, absolutely there for them in a heartbeat. Um, I moved in with mum and dad at the time. Uh, mum and dad were actually living with my grandfather, looking after him. And so it was a real live commune in that <laughs> house. Um, but, but also then my children had the, you know, amazing experience of, you know, they'd get up every morning and have breakfast with Nana and Pop. Auntie Michelle comes before work and great-grandfather as well. It's, you know, it's something that it they don't really understand how great that is. Mm. I also have got a, a ridiculously uh, loyal and real group of girlfriends that I can probably count on one hand who certainly wouldn't let me indulge in self-pity and they they knew what, was, uh, you know, three of them particularly knew exactly what was going on the whole time. So they knew I'd made the decision and they were just right there. They yeah. listened a lot. <laughs> mm. They, yeah. like I said, kept me very real. There was no letting me sit wallowing. And I couldn't sit wallowing because I had four children to look after. Yeah. Did you ever have that point where you were like curled up the fetal position in the corner of the room? Oh, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> like said, keeping I, it real. I get to Just the end of the real. week and I think everyone's alive, fed, been to school, gotten to work, we're all good. Yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Particularly um, with the kids, I, mm. I, I still have this mum guilt that, and that it's a real thing. The working and the doing things that fulfil me versus the being at home and being right there with them. Mm. There is a balance. Yeah. And it shifts depending on them as well, like how they were dealing with it at the time. Yeah. And each of them have completely uh, – it's, it's really interesting. My son will come out with occasionally the statement, when are you and dad getting back together? And I just – my ex-husband and I will both just look at each other and go, what is he? Um, he's, he was not two. He wasn't 18 months when we separated. He doesn't remember when we were together. So I don't know. I think yeah. it's that school and families and seeing how they interact – the girls are very resilient as a result, very mm. much so, particularly my eldest too. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 like you, um, was the one that left. And again, it was probably a really hard choice and something that I had thought long and hard about. And it was, my dad had said something to me one day, he'd drawn something to my attention that he'd witnessed in my relationship. And, and that probably sparked me in actually looking at it and I didn't realize I was down I had gone falling down this slippery slope um which um you know into a not a great place um in our marriage anyway so I had I, I agree I had thought long and hard about it and um you know was absolutely wracked with guilt you know at leaving and probably it's only now Mac my son's 20 and it's probably only now that um, I don't have mother guilt anymore mm. because he's grown into such a wonderful human being. But I remember seeing, watching Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil talking about divorce all those years ago and he was saying, you need to do the best you can to try, like try every avenue you can to make it work. But if you can't make it work, you need to rip the band-aid off with your kids and you need to hold out no hope for them that you will ever get back together. And that really stuck with me. I was like, well, and he goes, you need to, he goes, it's really hard, but if there's no way that you are ever getting back with your partner, you need to let your kids know. And I remember um, my ex and I had been 
divorced for two years and um, my little boy was six and we were walking around the lake one day together and he looked at me and he goes, mom, can you please get back with my dad? And he'd never said that before. I had been like, oh, we've got two houses. Aren't you lucky? And he had bought into that. He bought that whole, bought that whole line for two years. And then one day yeah, he screwed up his little face. He was like, mom, please, can you get back with my dad? I don't want two houses anymore. Wow. Oh. And I remember Dr. Phil and I looked at him and I went, Maxa, I'm never getting back with your dad. We will never live together again. And his little face screwed up like little tears came out and it was like ripped my heart out and stamp on it. I, that was the, the worst experience ever. And I just remember, but I remember going, no, Dr. Phil said I have to do this because it is crueler for him to live in hope Mm. all the time and be thinking that there's a chance you will get back together. You know, it's not a benefit, but I've seen through my work with children, you know, relationship breakdowns with families long before I, yeah, had my own to live through, and I see, I've seen children be affected by um, living in an unhappy house, and I've seen very happy children from separated families. I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. the whole gamut of what can go wrong and go right, and yeah. I think that helped me a lot because I knew that I could do this. It was going to be really hard and really painful for a long time, yeah. but I knew it was the right thing for me and them. I remember Maxie's um daycare he went to family daycare when he was a little fella mm. <clears throat> and um i remember his daycare lady christine i went to pick him up one day and she said, pulled me aside she said oh today maxa came up to me and said christine i feel really sick in my tummy when my mum and daddy argue mm. i feel sick in my stomach and i remember just feeling oh my little baby i think he was three or four at the time like my poor little boy he's living through that you know and it's that moment because i think we can get very much caught up in what's going on for us and we don't actually realize that our children are witness to that mm. and you that's know. what i said before about being the best me i was not even remotely the best me when i was there and yeah. neither was their father and he just wasn't in a place to do anything about it and we tried it like you said everything we could um and i just knew that for them and me and and my ex-husband that this was the best thing to do but it was yeah very difficult to walk out the door yeah let's get soulful on social media search the sister code facebook page and follow us on instagram so Susie, you mm. currently support people going through separation and divorce. You went through that yourself. So what are some of the, I suppose, um, common themes or issues that arise for people when they're going through separation and divorce? Um, well, one of the biggest things that I've witnessed over the years is that everybody has a story and everybody's situation is completely different to the next person. So I think um, one of the biggest things that we all need to recognise in another person is that, yes, look, there might be some parallels and some similarities, but at the end of the day, it's a very personal situation and people just want to share their story. And from my point of view, in terms of coaching people, they just want to tell someone who's going to listen to understand, listen to understand them. It doesn't mean that I, I, I have to go around fixing people. It, it means that when someone is offloading and sharing their story, they're actually making sense of it themselves because we're human beings, we're hardwired to share stories. And as you can see today, just in all of us sharing with each other, 
and sharing this podcast that women and men listening to this podcast will actually resonate with something that we're sharing and so they'll that learning will go on and that's how we learn and grow so it's allowing people to share their story one of the biggest things that happened to me as an individual was that I got stuck I got stuck in the grief cycle and the reason why it's called a cycle is that it keeps going and so it's like being on a merry-go-round that you can't get off and I really found myself stuck and there are various steps in the grief cycle and I was only having highs, highs and lows. I was not having any of that middle normal life. So um, I was really swinging on this on this sort of merry-go-round and I was stuck and, and, and someone actually said to me, you need some help, Suze. You've got to get off that merry-go-round and you've got to deal with all of this grief. So I think that's that's one of the biggest things we've all got to deal with is that grief that comes with 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 leaving that relationship and letting that relationship go because we want to be happy that's what I and I suppose as I mentioned earlier I you know sadly see many women it got you back sister who are caught in that grief cycle oh it's dreadful and we want them to get off yes absolutely (laughs) we want them to get off because you know when I look at the two of you I go, you have gotten off that grief cycle now Mm. and you've both gone on to recreate and rebuild lives where you are joyful Mm. and you're doing really great work in the world Mm. to help and support other people. And I go, I want that for people. Mm. That's why I'm doing this episode. I go, because, um, you know, we can actually make that choice to go through that healing and go, how how do I want my life to be? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So... Tell me, how did you two both get there? I don't know the I think I do know the answer to this question. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know if it's genetic. I don't <laughs> think it is. I have this annoying positive outlook on things. It drives a few people insane. <laughs> I I had made that decision and I was determined to I, if I wasn't going to make the best of it, I wouldn't have done it. And I knew deep down that I would be okay. I had family, I had friends, and I wanted to be a better me. I just, I knew there was more for me and that would make me not only happy with myself but be a better mother. And I think being really honest about that and, like, I had those very honest conversations with my ex-husband and they were not received well. They were, you know, it was, you know he was probably experiencing the feelings that Susie was feeling, that blindsided in the beginning. But I I just knew there was I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't there was something else for me. I had no idea what it, how it was gonna end or that, you know, if you had told me at that point that somehow I'd end up in local government, I would have shaken my head at you. But I just I knew there was more and I really thrive on um challenges new challenges and I felt I realized I had just been in this rut and I had just been existing and I didn't want to just exist yep. I wanted to live you want to did you actually have any goals set for yourself or were you just like I'm just trying to get through but I'm going to do it in a positive way I I had some we had some fairly serious financial issues to deal with that was really trying you, you have you know that the vision obviously nobody gets married thinking they're going to get divorced nobody has children thinking they're going to have a split family but you certainly think that you know, you're going to have a house to live in and you're going to be secure. And I was none of those things. I had no house. I had uh, a, 
I'm a childcare worker, you know, one of the lowest paying jobs uh, in Australia. And, um, you know, I, I don't have a millionaire family. Like, I, we're hardworking, normal people. And so I it was an impost on my mum and dad, which I really felt very guilty about as well. Um, but I just knew that something would happen. So I just had faith that something good would happen. And and that's the thing I've tried to instill in my children is that it, nothing comes without a bit of, you know, heartache sometimes and uh, a hard work. And and like I said, they see me at the moment. I, you know, I told them I was doing this today and they went, what are you doing? <laughs> but I, I think I'm setting a good example for them. They see me, you know, doing good things in the community. I, I love that they see that. So I love that they see me. Um, I value my friendships. I value my relationships. But they also see that I value things about me yeah that not just about them or other people that I actually do things for myself and I think that's a really important thing to instill in them so how did you um decide to go for counsel oh I didn't decide (laughs) it was um the story is I like to refer to myself as the Stephen Bradbury of local government I have a very dear dear best friend who happens to have been on your podcast and she suggested to me that I should possibly get involved in her local government fundraising and I did and I liked the the conversations I liked what um, the values that that particular organization held and what they were trying to do and I really believed in what she was trying to do for the city and um, you know a few years down the track um, a very young uh, guy who was our Deputy Lord Mayor here in Newcastle, Declan, and he actually happened to be one of the children that I had cared for at the <laughs> childcare facility that I work at, uh, asked me to run second on his ticket for the local government election and um, don't worry, nobody ever gets elected second on the ticket. you know. And at that stage I had probably already decided that I really liked this and that maybe when the kids were older this is something I could really pursue because it's quite taxing after hours there's lots of after hours work and so I said yes absolutely and next thing oh Peter um you might want to ring your boss because it looks like you're going to get elected so that in itself was a bit of a roller coaster having to have a conversation with my boss at the time who had been my boss for nearly 20 years and say to her oh you know how I work all the time well I can't really do that anymore because I just accidentally fell into this second job but I believe things happen for a reason, you know, I yeah. really do. And I, it's something that I'm really passionate about. And now you have a life of service, a life of community service, as yeah. well as serving your kids and serving think, the community. I think obviously the stuff I said, I believe in everything, the vision for Newcastle, and I love Newcastle passionately. But also the, it's the organisations that I've gotten to work with. You know, I obviously have done work with you. I've got your back sister, um, you know, Michelle Faithful that's been on here before with Compass Housing and... Um, you know, Hunter Homeless Connect Day and my work with Guru Kai, the Aboriginal Advisory Committee, they're actually really valuable, valuable things to the community and they're inspiring people yeah. and, um, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Mm. I really love it. So, Miss Susie, mm. what about you? Um, because now your life is very different now to how it was, yeah, you know, back then and, and you're out doing wonderful work, supporting people with your, your husband, with your business. When you were going through that, you know, coming up to your five years, were you redesigning your life or, you know, setting goals and going, that's how I want it to be or is it something that's just evolved? 
Um, I think it was intentional. I don't know that it just evolved. I think I was very intentional about what I... I knew what I didn't want, Mel, but I didn't know what I did want and I was coming from a very um, dark place um, back in those days and I knew I had to go to work on myself. And I think one of the, you know, one of the biggest killers out there is that we have these expectations of other people. And I knew that I couldn't have any more expectations of, of my, my son's father. I just had to work on myself and I had to change myself. And we're not trained to deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. And we're not trained to deal with all these emotions, which is why I had to go. I wanted to go and train in conflict management and various other things so that I could manage my separation and my divorce and make it work actually and I remember my sister-in-law saying to me many years ago um, she said to me Suze don't end up bitter don't let this divorce make you bitter why don't you make this divorce make you better and that comment stuck with me for so many years because I was bitter I was angry and I was I was deep in my own emotions and my own grief and I thought oh gosh that means I have to I have to be better I have to I have to do something to, you know, help this situation and help myself, you know. I was drowning like many people out there. I didn't know how to navigate my way through a separation yep. and then go through the legal proceedings of a divorce and all those things that come with it. I had no idea. So from that, it was a lot of personal development, a lot of reading. One of the biggest things for me, though, was letting go, letting go and realising I couldn't control what was happening. All I could control was myself. And by doing that, all of my relationships in my life have changed over the years. I I am not the same person when it comes to relationships. And relationships affect every single aspect of our lives, you know, our social connection, our whole well-being. And they can be the joy of life. Well, that's where I found my joy. I found my joy in actually getting well mentally, physically, emotionally, and hence our company, you know, Wellbeings & Co. So now I help people... In, in, you know, lots of different aspects of their lives, not just separation and divorce, although that happens to be, you know, a part of what I love. But, you know, it's relationships generally where, where, where you know, relationships are, are interesting things. And it's just having those wonderful communication skills where we can we can communicate with people. It's, it's, it's a life skill we all need. Yeah. And you both have gone on to meet new wonderful partners and... In, oh, we have. In wonderful, we healthy have. relationships. <laughs> wonderful, have. healthy relationships, which we, that's what we want. Happy, joyous, healthy yeah. relationships. I think mm. I, I, particularly the bitterness, I refuse to buy into the bitterness. Like I just couldn't do it. And I watch from the sideline some, you know, other relationships that I, I see on the periphery of my life and I see some people that are actually engulfed by that bitterness mm. and I just don't know how you would get up every day oh, it's soul destroying. and yeah. you know mm. be driven to make someone else's life a misery yeah you know I just I, I couldn't do it and yeah. I don't understand people that do because there is so much joy and good yeah. and there is a, mm. there's a, life there's life after there divorce is, there, there's a really there good life is. after divorce if you choose to rebuild it that way there sure is there sure is okay ladies so wrap up each of you, I want you to think of one, something like a really great life lesson or something you've learned from that whole experience of marriage breakdown, you know, the the grief, the bitterness or the trauma of, of, of a marriage breakdown um, and, yeah, what you've learned on that journey out of that. I think uh, I 
as I said, I walked away absolutely broken and I always lived my life imagining uh, I'd have a happy family and, you know, I'd live a fairy tale. And when it didn't happen the way I thought, I honestly didn't know what was in store for me. I I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just had this deep-seated belief that I deserved to be happy, um, that my children deserved to be happy and that my ex-husband deserved to be happy. And I think having that mindset and knowing that, you know, there is great things in the universe, it sounds like a cliche, but in the end, you know, I did find absolute joy and happiness and absolutely love again like it it did happen and there were absolutely days where I just this thought this was my lot in life to just you know exist and I didn't want to exist I made that conscious decision I'm not going to exist I'm going to live a joyful life and Mm. make sure that my children see a joyful life yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what about you Miss Susie what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, what's one key thing that you've oh, learned through this whole right. journey? I was yeah. just listening to no. <laughs> One thing I've learned is that if I can get through that separation and divorce, I can get through anything. And it's taught me courage. Yeah. And it's taught me to be brave. And it's taught me so much that once I got on the other side, there's not a day that goes part by or I'm not grateful. Mm. And thankful. Yeah. And happy. Absolutely. Gratitude. Yeah. That that actually happened because we, we all grew and learned so much from each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm going to say one thing that I've learned from that whole experience is that how to go I'm just trying to think how to put this succinctly. Is that it can be very hard to rise above a bully if you're being bullied. And I have absolutely been was bullied. And it's very hard not to succumb to the power of a bully. It's really hard. But when you find a way and you have to you have to find a way. You actually have to find a way. To, to not get sucked into the vortex, the power and control of a bully. When you do find that way and you make that choice to go, I'm not going to get sucked into that because it is a choice. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it's really freaking hard. It's the hardest thing ever. But when you flip the switch, the world opens up. Mm. It's also not your job to what I've come to understand. It's not my job to fix everyone else. No. It's not my job to make sure they have a happy life. All I can do is control my life and what comes from that will come from that. Yeah. And that took a lot as well because I do like everyone around me to be happy and content. And yeah. But they will be they when will you be. are. They will be. They will be because if you're okay, they're, they're okay. <laughs> and one of the biggest things, one of the other things that I learned, sorry Mel, just to to cut in there is that um it's the old thing it's the old you know when you get on the airplane and um the 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 flight attendants come out and do the the safety presentation and they say you have to put your oxygen mask on yourself first Mm -hmm. they don't say put it on everyone else around you you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself and if you put the oxygen mask on yourself then you can help everyone around you 
Yeah. And so I learned to put myself at the top of the list or put the oxygen mask on, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And everyone else in my life benefits if I'm okay. Yeah. They're okay. I love that. And if they're not okay, it's okay for them not to be in your life as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I'm just going to wrap up and go, I now, after going through all the trauma of divorce, I can honestly say I'm living the, I really, the life of my dreams. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Sometimes Isn't you've got to, wonderful? sometimes you've got to be brave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways. So, okay, Miss Susie, if people want to know more about you and um, if anybody's listening and they're going through that tough time of separation or divorce and they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Um, our website is wellbeingsandco.com.au and all our contact details are there. And Miss Peter Winnie Bartz, Councillor, City of Newcastle, <laughs> serving the community. Yes, yes, that. <laughs> if, if people did want to reach out to oh. you about a civic matter, rates yes. and <laughs> rubbish, rates and roads and rubbish. Yeah. Yes, Summer Hill is my favourite place in the universe. If I could live there, I would. There you go. They can contact yeah, the city, city of Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, that giant long P. Winnie Barts. Yeah, P. Winnie Barts. NCC. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your stories and your wisdoms. You know, that's how we learn and grow in mm. life. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.